Hey everybody, this is Patrick Paul with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. We are in episode nine. Uh, next one will be double digits, which is crazy. Um, got an amazing guest on today. Um, you will not find anyone with more irons in the fire and more fires going than Mrs. Shannon Gerlach, who is one of the principals at uh, California Virtual Academies, my school. Um, and uh, Shannon, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy summer schedule, balancing summer school kids and your husband to talk to us on the podcast. We definitely appreciate it. It's an honor. Awesome. So um, quick background, how I know Shannon outside of her being kind of in theory, one of my bosses, uh, her kids and my kids uh, go to school together. Uh, mm -hmm. She is my youngest daughter's Girl Scout troop leader. Again, another iron in a fire. And then her oldest daughter uh, is good friends with my oldest daughter. So uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, I will be uh, in the Gerlach circle of influence for many years to come, which is actually a very great place to be. So let's dive right in and let's talk about how you got into teaching. And I know that's going to be a good story, not to mention the number of degrees that you have. And then how did you end up at Kaba? Okay. So um, I was never going to be a teacher. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to go into politics. I wanted to be chief of staff for the president. Like that was my dream job. I wanted to be the gatekeeper. And, um, my junior year of college, I was at UC Irvine and I needed to take an elective to round out my, um, credits. And I wanted to take something that was an easy A as we all do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> my guidance counselor was like, oh, you know what you should do? You should take this education class. Just, you know, only meets once a week. You got to do some volunteer hours in a classroom in like Santa Ana or Anaheim. Super easy. And I was like, sweet, easy A. I was hooked. Um, <laughs> we read, I think the book we read was the first hundred days of school and I yes. devoured it. Um, it was like, I got the syllabus. I got the book day one. I was done with the reading for the entire course um by day two and I loved the working with the kiddos and um I was at Santa Ana Unified at one of the okay. high schools there and at one of the elementary schools there so I loved working with the high school kids I loved working with the elementary school kids so after that class I switched majors um and called my mom and said I'm gonna be a teacher and she went <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to be a lawyer. <laughs> I said, sorry, the gardener's here. Um, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to be a teacher like grandma and grandpa. And my grandparents are, my grandfather has 30 plus years in education plus 20 in administration. And my grandmother, whose age I will not reveal for my own safety, um, she has several decades of years <laughs> Right. teaching in an administration. My aunt is a principal. Oh, wow. My mom, before she passed, became, worked for nursing education. Oh, wow. um, my uncle taught um, at a local community college. So my family's very big into the medical field and into education. Um, so this all happened. Um, I started teaching and I was like, I'm going to teach kindergarten because they're so cute. I love little kids. <laughs> right. So we're uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, two weeks in, two weeks in, I was student teaching and I called my mentor teacher and I was like, you got to get me out of here, man. If I have to wipe one more kid's nose, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> yes. So um, I ended up, I graduated, I got my teaching credential and um, I wanted to work at a private school. I'd gone to Catholic schools, second mm. through 12th grade. So I reached out to a bunch of the private schools in the Diocese of Orange, and I got a job at St. Justin's, and I taught fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade English. And I was like the fifth grade, what you would call homeroom teacher. And that was great for two years. Um, but I, I can be very, I have a dry wit, and that tends to make fifth graders cry. Yes, so. yes, it does. It does. Sarcasm, dry wit. Yes, instant tears. Yes. So, um, and I loved working with the little kids, but I wanted to be able to have in-depth conversations. So Absolutely. I applied at Connolly High School. Okay. And um, taught there for five years. Taught British literature, taught American history. Thankfully, I never had to teach econ. 
Um, I taught U.S. history. I taught world history. I taught the history of women, which was a class that I got oh, to wow. build, which was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. While I was there, I got my um, master's in American history because the plan was I was just going to keep climbing and I was going to sure. teach college. Um, unfortunately, I was working at a private school during the Great Recession. Ah. So, yeah. uh, was laid off and I was like, that's okay. I'm going to be a stay at home mom. At this point, I've got two kids. And after a week of being a stay at home mom, I was like, this is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see that. <laughs> There's only so many oh, episodes. Climbing of the walls. Yeah. Right. There's only so many episodes of Elmo you can watch. So I true. was, I reached out to one of my friends who homeschooled her daughter. And I was like, Hey, if you need a tutor for anything, here's my background. She's like, you know what you should do? You should apply at Kava. So I found the one I joined. Mm -hmm. I applied end of August and I stalked. Her name was Christina Whitmire. She was the principal at the time. And back then they put the principal's name on the EdJoin posting. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. So it was like every week I was like, hi, just wanted to reach out and let you know I'm still available. And um, so I was hired. Um, I, I think I was actually hired at the same time you were, Pat. I was hired beginning of October. Right. Um, and I taught history. I taught U.S. I taught world. I taught AmGov. Had to teach right. econ this time. <laughs> um, got the AP government position. Um, and, um, you know, from there I moved into engagement, student support engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there I um, moved into the regional lead position, which is almost like an assistant principal position, but you're doing more attendance compliancy. Sure. And then from there, while I was doing that, I got my master's in educational administration and at Concordia and my admin credential. And I'm going into my fourth year now as a principal. So that was a really long story for what was a simple question. Well, well as, as we know, uh, <laughs> journeys are never simple. They're long, they're complex. The, the, the roadmap, uh, you know, it's like a Thomas guide, you know, people, you know, under the age of 35 have no idea what a Thomas guide is, but you know, you're constantly flipping through pages and you can't figure out where a four really is. So, um, no, I mean, but it, you know, again, my, I spent 10 years in corporate America before I got an education and, and my mom was a teacher and I had a number of friends that were teachers. And, you know, it's, I think if anything, and in the conversations that I've had with pretty much everybody on, you know, the story is very similar. Um, there's not, and I don't want this to sound negative in any way, but people, you know, have no intention of being an educator. They end up an educator and they love it. You know, it's like going to Denny's and I'm probably going to get shot for saying this is that you don't plan on going to Denny's. You end up at Denny's and when you're at Denny's, it's like the best thing ever. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's Those kind of a, hits, man. <laughs> it, the grand, the grand slam. You can't go wrong. It's still five ninety nine or six ninety nine, And, uh, but yeah, I, if anything, I think the those teachers that have that robust journey, I, I, I have found that those are the people I want to work for or work with. So, um, so you kind of covered, uh, you know, going into administration and and so just kind of kind of expand on that. Was it was ad was an admin role because you said you wanted to teach at the college level at one point. That means you need to fid. You need more letters after your name. Um, but did you always want to be in administration? Like how did, how did the administration really, you know, become a thing? And then as a principal at Kaba, what does that role really entail? I, I know it's a lot. I know how much it's time a lot. You got? <laughs> yeah. We got as much as we need, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure in your Jedi way, you can kind of condense it into about 45, 50 minutes. So, yeah, it's so being an admin was never really on my radar. I was, I, I was, and still am happiest. It, I don't want to say happiest, happy in a classroom with kids. Um, right, some of my right. favorite memories of teaching are being in that classroom with my students debating 
the civil rights movement, debating, because I'm, I'm really, I'm active in, in politics and volunteerism and things like that. So um, it just, it happened very organically at Kava. Um, one of my, one of the things I believe very firmly is the role of the teacher is to, the primary goal of education is to move people. Um, move students, move other teachers. And I found that as much as I love being in that classroom with my 20 to 30 to 40 to however many kiddos, I was only moving those 30 or 40 kiddos. And I wanted to have a more global impact. And how do you do that at the teaching level? So that's when Kava flew the engagement support position, its role was, okay, here are 300 kids. You have 300 kids and you're going to help engage them in school. And you have these teachers and you're going to give best practices to these 10 teachers. And that was great. That was great for a couple of years. And then that evolved into the FAST program, Family Academic Support, which has since evolved into the COMPASS program, and I don't know those acronyms yet. Um, and so from there, I went into the training program, because again, I still wanted to move people. I still wanted to help people. And um, I trained all the new teachers for a year solid. I think I trained 52 new teachers, best practices, because being a virtual educator is night and day difference from being a a uh, brick and mortar teacher. I mean, the yeah. heart of it, the heart of it is the same. The heart of it is best interests of students, how to help students. But the way you help those students virtually is very different than the way you help those students in a brick and mortar. Um, and then when the regional lead position opened up, they, they revamped the training program. So I wouldn't have been able to help as many teachers, but the regional lead position opened up and I was like, that's awesome. I want to help those those teachers the way I can. Um, I think I applied for the principal position two or three times as a regional lead, um, but it it wasn't the right fit at that time. Um, so when it happened, I was like, I was finally ready. I had my admin credential. I had gone through the master's in educational leadership. I had three years as an administrator under my belt. Um, I was teaching those college classes. So I, I knew Kava, I don't want to say knew it inside and out because I didn't, but I had a greater understanding of what it was than those individual roles I'd been filling True. for the previous seven years. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing. And, and, and I think, I mean, I know you and I have had, we, we didn't have conversations. <laughs> we, we don't have conversations, Shannon and I, um, but we, do it, it, we, do <laughs> we don't talk to each other at all. Um, but I think, you know, using my corporate, you know, career strictly as a uh, example, you have, you know, I, I was in sales, I was a product manager, and then I was a director of sales. And again, you have building blocks to get you where you want to be. And I know this past spring um, in, in talking with a few people, uh, there was conversations of whether or not I wanted to go into administration. And I don't know, I don't know if that's my cup of tea. I, I think I'd be good at it um, just because I. And as someone you have a conversation with, well. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and I think, and, and that's my thing. I think, you know, for the time being, being I'm still new to this environment, you know, I really want to have a better understanding. And I think far too often, and this is where people jump, I think in, in brick and mortar, I'll, I'll definitely use that example, because I know you and I have seen that, you know, with our own kids schools and, and schools that we're at prior, is that people jump into administration, not because they want to really help other teachers, it's sometimes monetary motivated. And not that there's anything wrong with that. And I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, you got to provide, you got to do all those things. But I think when you become an administrator, you need to really, really clearly understand what you're getting into. And I think far too often, at least at some of the schools I've been at prior, people have gotten into administration. And then when they get in, they're so far, it's so far over their head. It, right. it, it makes it to be a challenge. And, and that when that person is constantly 
you know, treading water per se, they're, they're not going to be effective at their job. And it, it puts a strain on the organization mm -hmm. as a whole. I mean, me personally, just kind of going through what I experienced this year at Kava, I mean, I was fortunate to have a great regional lead. I mean, she was awesome. Our five minute, I, I need to talk to you for five minutes. And it was a 25 minute conversation. And by the end of the conversation, we have solved all the world's problems, but I felt very supported. I mean, she right. knew when to no, now's not the time. No, that's wrong. Great job. How can I help? And then my principal this past year, Erica, again, you know, she came into being a principal at the middle of the school year, which is obviously mm -hmm. a challenge, but you know, when, when we were talking uh, at the end of the, at the end of the school year, uh, again, very appreciative of the way she conducted herself, this willingness to dive in and be supportive in any way. And at the same time, you're the boss. I mean, there, there's, there's two people above you, above the principals, you know, and uh, those are the people you don't want to have conversations with per se. <laughs> I mean, you just don't, because that's a different kind of conversation. But right. I, I think, you know, just looking at our school dynamic, I, I feel the, the principals, again, you're, you're stuck between two layers, you know, those that are above you and then mm -hmm. everybody, you know, boots on the ground. So and I just think that for the most part, the rapport between the teachers and the principal is very good. And I think there, there are, you're always at any school you're at, you're going to have the people that are going to dig their heels in and say, eh you know, and right. that translates to a million things. But I think just the way our administrative team operates and how it's stacked, I think lends a lot of level of support, which in turn, I think is the reason why people enjoy working at Kava. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, I mean, a big component of it. I mean, there's obviously, there's other things people and we'll talk about it another time, but. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I know one of the things you asked me is what what does being a principal at Kava entail? And my response to that would be, it depends on the day. Sure. Um, but I, I, when I pare it down to what my, my job is too prompt, my job is to support my students and help them succeed and to support my teachers and to help them succeed. And, right. you know, I meet my teachers um, once a semester, one-on-one -on -one in Zoom, just like this, and I'm, how you doing? You know, it's check-ins and um, things like that. But what I always tell my teachers is, and I'm very honest with them about that, I'm like, you guys, I am walking a balance beam right now, and I, it's on one side is the students, and on one side is the, the, is you guys, and my job is to make both of you happy, and I was like, but you have to understand there's going to come a time where I have to decide between what is in the best interest of the teachers and what is in the best interest of the students. And if I can't find that compromise, I'm choosing the students every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I, yeah, and, and I'm just honest with my teachers about that. And they've told me to my face, at least, um, we appreciate that, you know, you're student centered. That's what we want. We want a student centered administrator. So that is my goal is to continue to be one. Yeah, and, 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 and again, and really, this kind of segues into the, the next question, is that with, I mean, we know what the challenges are for online school, um, mm -hmm. but let, let's kind of dive into a couple, you know, based on what you've seen over the evolution of Kava, you know, there's gonna be, attendance is always gonna be issued at any school, so let's let's not, say that people physically showing up is, is not an, is, is just only an online issue. It's an issue everywhere, but outside of attendance, okay, kids not showing up for whatever reason, what, what are, if you were to look at, I mean, take COVID out of the equation as well. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was a challenge. And the parallel universe where COVID doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, the, the you know, the multiverse, um, you know, it's, what are some of the challenges at Kava that, that you as a principal have to face on almost like on a day-to-day -day basis? Culture. It's the, culture. the, the, and culture is a very wide umbrella for what I'm talking about. I'm not talking sure. about like a positive culture between the staff and the teachers or a positive culture between the teachers and the students. I'm talking about, think about it. When you, um, when you're at high school, you are a blank, whatever your mascot is, right? I was a cougar. I was a, I'm a hawk. Cougar. 
Go yes, Hawks. you're yeah. Go our, Hawks. Our kid, our kids will be Hawks. <laughs> right, exactly. So our Kava students don't have that. They don't right. say we're Kava Bears, and I am on a mission to change that. I am right. on a mission because there's so many studies out there that show you that when kids are proud of where they go to school, sure. they are more likely to be engaged. They are more likely to attend. They are more likely to do well. So it is one of my driving forces is to improve the school culture. And I'm working with Leah Fellows, who's our director of culture, on right. that. You know, I head up the ASB. I do the the right. um. Right. Oh, what are those called? Uh, career days and the talent shows for teachers right. and for students. And it's, you know, I run the New York DC trip, not this year, <laughs> Very true. but, but it's, it's working really hard. You know, we, we do the coffee with the principals with right. teachers and with students. We do the open houses. We do the, so it's really, really hard to, to in a virtual model where you do not see the children. You right. do not see the students to build that positive culture where students are proud right. to go there. And that's something I have been working on for probably not my first year here because I had no idea what I was doing my first year here, but right. something that I've been working on since um, for the past nine, 10 years. Um, right. And it's really important to me. Like we finally found and were able to get a homeschool prom off the ground for the high schools, right. for LA right. and San Francisco. Right. Um, one of my new projects that I want to do is I want to do a grade um, specific field trip for each of the campuses, you know, tie it into their, I want that we want to, I want a school directory where the kiddos can look each other up and can right. call or text, you know, it's really hard because we can't give out that information. We don't want to violate FERPA. Um, right, I want a right. newspaper. I want a yearbook. I want clubs. I want to give sure. our kids the same school experience virtually that they would have at a brick and mortar. So right. it's building that culture. Um, yeah. So for uh, me, that's, I, that's the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's huge. I mean, it, you know, a, and everything falls from that. Everything sure. falls from that. If the kids, Absolutely. if the kids know, have a good relationship with their teacher, they're going to come to class because they don't want to let their teacher down. If the kids right. are proud to be Kava Bears, they're going to show up and do their best on those state tests. That's going to right. improve right. student. That's going to improve student achievement. It's going to improve testing. But it, when you really drill it down, it's the culture, it's the relationships, it's right. the communication right. with families. Yeah. No. And that's. I, I mean, obviously, you know, as a as a former coach, you know, building a culture is paramount to have a successful of the mm -hmm. team, and. In, in a number of the people that I've spoken to on here already, a number of them are coaches or have coaching right. experience. And it's just, it's like anything else is like when you have buy-in, when you have a, a belief system set that kids are abiding by, you know, sky's the limit. And right. I think far too often we see this as, you know, the virtual space as the great barrier, right? It, it's, it's this, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, we can't go past, we can't go east of the, or west of the Appalachians, you know, we're all going to die type <laughs> of a thing. It's, it's, that's not it. We've played Oregon Trail. Okay. Right. So it, it's, it's one of those deals where it's, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I think, and the other thing too, I think culture also can emanate from we as teachers. And it would be an interesting study. And I actually, <laughs> this came up when I interviewed Angie Coville, our mm -hmm. boss, um, and I, I talked to her about holding we as, we teachers accountable. Like, how, what does that look like? And I think if you if you were to ask, because this is something I didn't know, as I looked at our our philosophy, our teaching philosophy, right. and I said, if you asked the teachers if they could give us any component of what our philosophy is, I would say more than seventy five percent could not. And and that that's the that high number. That may be too low. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I was trying to be nice to my colleagues, <laughs> and, and, and only a few of them listened. So, <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's something that I think that it, it's my responsibility to understand the mission of the school, and our and our mission statement for our school is very different than a brick and mortar. And and get the edge edge speak out of it. Everyone wants this and rigor and blah blah blah. And these are words that we use as well. 
But when we look at the environment that we are currently teaching in, that we are engaging students and families and communities up and down the state of California, if I'm not committed and if I'm not consistently spewing out that message, then I am working against the grain to what you're trying to create. And I think, and, 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 and that happens, I think our job gets in our way of creating yeah. that culture. Um, and, and, and we see that in businesses all the time. Um, so I think that I, I, yeah, I agree. You know, culture can start in small spaces, but it can certainly grow. But I think one of the things we as teachers, if we have a great culture in our classroom, then to your point, kids are going to want to come. Mm -hmm. We start, we start reiterating, Hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to see 25% of you guys make sure we're attending this or attending that, or, you know, we, we for those of them, we would have outings and quick, we're not, we don't have them right now. It's because of the COVID, yeah. but you know, outings were a chance for students to get out and meet teachers and other fellow students. And those are just amazing opportunities. But again, it's like, you have to convince those kids to go do it far too often. It's a, oh, it's a day off. If it's an outing Friday, it's a yeah. day off. Well, no, it's Free weekend, school day. snow day. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yes, we have so many snow days in Southern California. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, to, but to your point, I, I think there's just so, so many little things that I think, you know, we can address as teachers in our classroom that can help spread the love, if you will, create that culture that kids become more engaged and right. you know, it, it's still going to be the 80, 20 rule, 20% of the kids do 80% of the stuff. I totally get that, but I bet we could get it to 25 or 30% or 35 or 40%. Uh, I mean, that's doable. I mean, it, you know, if, if companies are looking for incremental growth, why can't we do the same when it comes right. to something specific as that? And I think it's totally doable. I, I yes, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think that getting the elementary school, middle school, and high school all in the same plan has been extremely beneficial for that. Right. Um, one of the things I want to see us do at the high school is I want to see us ask the kids, hey, what do you want to do? Where do you right. want to go? You know, it's the college right. tours are really big. The the Because we don't have um, any fundraising, right. it's really hard because we have to find things that are free for kids. Sure. Um, so... Uh, you know, at the high school level, honestly, they just want to hang out. So right. no, for <laughs> college, sure. tours are, college tours are really, really popular and so beneficial because a right. lot of, I, I did a college tour at UCI probably three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids came and he's like, I'm just here because my mom said I had to be. And I was like, great. So happy to meet you. Right. <laughs> and then we're, we're walking around and he was on his phone the entire time. And then we got right. to the engineering building and he went, huh and put it away and paid attention and asked questions. And I was like, there it is. That's, right. we have to look for those connections. Ex expose, and, and I think, and that's kind of one of the things, you know, as I moved to the DCA campus, the Destiny Career Academy, you know, again, you know, kids are now, I mean, it's not that they're not putting college as, as, as a priority, it's just another box for them. And yep. you know, now that they're looking for opportunities in the workplace and, you know, I have to schedule my, outing in September, which I don't think is going to happen, but you know, yeah. there's, there's always, yeah, there, but there's always some type of career fair going on. And I think those are very valuable when they can listen to people speak. I mean, when I taught econ, a good friend of mine from high school is a very successful investor. So he came in and talked about the market, but then importance of financing, you know, the, the save a penny a day mentality and when you start to see numbers, what saving a penny a day really looks like over incremental time, it ends up being right. a lot of money. So yeah. but when you see these aha moments and, and now these kids are like, hey, can I, can I get your card? And I, I want to talk to you. And I've had a couple of three students actually intern for him for summer jobs just to be exposed to the financial market. So I, I think it's right. I think we, and that's part of the building the culture. Our job is exposing kids to not only a rigorous academic life, but really what what you can do with these tools and skills that we're providing you in, out in the real world and, and hopefully expose you to things that you find interesting or I, you know i never thought about that i never thought about like the importance of being you know a bioengineer or right you know, what, what what i didn't realize a plumber makes 
the money that they make. I'm pretty good with my hands. I've used the toilet before. I know what's going on. Right. So, but I think our those, career those, day, yeah, our career day was one of the most well attended rallies we've ever had. And right. when we look at attendance for that day, mm-hmm. and it was a Friday, and attendance mm-hmm. typically, right. um, I believe it was higher. I don't have the exact percentages, but it was right. higher than normal for a Friday because the kids were there and they wanted to go talk to right. everyone. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I remember just when I was teaching at Lincoln Hills and Lincoln Beach, the, the, the three days that had always the best attendance was International Week because there was mm-hmm. nothing but free food. food. Um, college and career week, college week, where all the colleges were there, and then um, career week where people yeah. can come in and talk to the EMTs or the police or the Marines or having you do pull-ups, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you know, those are, again, all those things, all, there's no reason why we, we in the virtual space cannot create an environment that all may not have walls and a clock and a blackboard or a whiteboard right. um, that they don't still feel that they're a part of something. And, mm-hmm. and they're telling their, their friends or their family, hey, this is the high school I go to. And there's a level of integrity that, that goes with it. Hey, this is the school. I'm, I, this is why I like going there, blah, blah, blah. So Yes, absolutely. Okay, so here's something that I know we have talked about in many different ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Our kids get the get the shutdown on Friday the thirteenth, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we've all had different names from Shannon and I teach at a virtual learning environment. Its entire structure is based of a, on on an online system through K twelve. Um, there is an online module. It's the same for everyone. Right. The, right from K through twelve, they all have right. the same platform. Right. Okay. So the, it, it, and this, this entity is nationwide. It's not just, you know, California, it's in every state of the union. Okay. Well, 30, 30 states, 30 states, excuse me. Thank mm-hmm. you for see, these are the little details. So 30 out of the 50. All right. So right. there you go. And you can't pass an amendment with 30 out of 50, but Hey, we could certainly try. Um, <laughs> so our, our kids were not virtual learning. They were no. distance learning. Okay. Right. Our, our, but I mean, I think we've talked about that based on the circumstances are the, the schools that our kids attend did a pretty good job of giving kids at work. least work. The and bare essentials. Them, yes. Right. And, you know, and again, I'm sure if we asked Tessa and Ashlyn, they would have their own opinions, but for the most part, I felt that they were challenged. They were still given a level of rigor that allowed them to continue to push forward. I mean, it wasn't what I think we liked. I would um, agree with that. And I know that they were challenged and I know that there was rigor because when I think back on the amount of work I had to do <laughs> yes. as a parent right. to help, not, I mean, not our older girls and right. I did have to supplement the fifth grade curriculum, but sure. the amount of work I had to do for the third grade and the first grade curriculum, because right. I got four kids, Right. Just to make sure that my kiddos were doing everything that needed to be done to help. Right. Right. Yes. There was rigor. There was, and it was our teachers. I mean, we gave them 48 hours notice and they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so we, we've kind of unpacked that first question. What's the difference, what's the difference really between virtual learning and distance learning? Now come this fall, however, there is a, 90 plus percent chance according to the magic eight ball that kids will not be in the classroom starting august 17th they will not there's yeah, no way I, I, yeah i know i know i'm a gl- glimmer of hope right i um, appreciate your optimism allow me to squash it <laughs> there you go here's the real but do you think this fall as hopefully and, and again talking to my former colleagues here in the district that our kids are in um I know they, they are still kind of playing the waiting game. Um, you know, our district is, is going to wait to the last minute before they pull the parachute, pull the ripcord. Right. Thursday night, board meeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. So is it, do you think as we see it roll out in August, in September, in October, 
do you think at some point we as virtual educators could begin to lean toward, yes, this is looking more like a virtual model, or could we, could, could we delineate between virtual and an online model? Um, but even an online model still has an online component to it. And you can't really say Google Classroom is an online component because it's not, although it's customizable, it's not canned, if you will. Um, right. do, you, do you think as we see this thing un unfold, we can kind of say it's a virtual model or are we just going to say, hey, it's remote learning? Right. And, and here's why, going back to my earlier point. The curriculum we use is a platform that we purchase for the virtual world. It right. is meant to be done virtually. Now, I don't right. know. Our kids' school district, they're at SVUSD, they could, they could shock me and they could buy an online platform. And right. all of our kids would, you know, the TK through 12 would all be using the same online platform. And in fact, um, I'm going to shove Becky in front of this bus. Ask her about that because that's what her okay. kids' school is doing on Friday. Okay. They, she just found out they're going all online. So yes, in right. that case, that is virtual education. I right. think that though, that what Saddleback's going to do is going to be a continuation of the distance right. learning. Um, right. Because the teachers are used to having a certain level of independence in their classroom. Yes. Yes. And um, so while they all have the same curriculum and they all get right. together for their PLCs and their grade levels and they decide, okay, these are the standards we want to teach and whatnot, how they go in and teach those standards, what tests they give, what assessments they give, those vary school by school. Right. Um, and even in some schools, they vary classroom by classroom. Yes, they do. <laughs> so it's, I, and I don't want to say that virtual educators don't have freedom and independence because right. good grief, they certainly do. They certainly, certainly do. Right. But I think that at the brick and mortar level, Teachers are used to doing things a certain way. Right. And as much as we want our teachers to have a growth mindset, right. that's something you have to work towards. That's not natural right. for people. Right. Absolutely. And so they're still, um, as you said, they're still hopeful they're going to get to go back. Right. So the changes to make their, so rather than looking at their curriculum and saying, okay, how can I make this work virtually? Right. I think they're looking at it as, okay, how can I do this in Zoom for a couple of weeks before we're back in the classroom? Right. No, for sure. So there, it's not a long-term plan and I'm not criticizing virtual educators. Right. Who I no, think we, very we, are not, we, nor, yeah, we are not criticizing. <laughs> no, nor am not. I criticizing brick and mortar teachers who I think very right. highly of right. because I look at what they did for my kids and you know, you're a parent and an educator. You cannot teach your own kids. I mean, you can try, but it's like arguing with a version of yourself. Yeah. So, exactly. exactly. so what they have managed to do and the way they've managed to work, I mean, I, I am in awe of their ability. Mm -hmm. And in a way they've almost done more than virtual educators because right. they had to pivot so quickly. Right. Right. But, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what they roll out in August and September mm -hmm. is a, a, a smidgen more uniform right. for people like us that have multiple grade levels, multiple schools for our kids, right. um, and also full-time jobs. Yes. <laughs> you know what details. I mean? It's, right. it's, so that's... Sure. It's, it, it's comparing apples to oranges. You just can't. Right. Right. Um, no, exactly. And I, and I think it's, and it's funny. It, and I joked about this uh, to a buddy of mine that was on here earlier on is this, that the teachers that spend their mornings at the coffee machine really struggled with the, 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 the pivot mm -hmm. online learning. And, and, you know, I know some of them and when you talk to them, they're very disgruntled and look at the end of the day, you know, I, I know a number of educators that abide by the principle, you know, I've been doing it this way for, for, for such a, such a time and I still get the results I need and I don't have anybody complaining. So why do I need to change? And, you know, and I think there, there lies some of the criticism I think educators get that, that 
you know, when people say, oh, well, they never really taught. And I'm like, well, explain that. I remember hearing that from students all the time. Well, you know, uh, Mrs. Jones, she doesn't teach anything. I go, what does that mean? Hey, what does that mean? I go, so explain me what you did in class. And they could explain what they did in class. I go, well, they taught. That's teaching. If you know what's going on in class, that's teaching. You may not find it exciting. You may not find it invigorating. You know, and, and now you have kids that are forced to pivot as well. Their world has been turned upside down to be like, hey, your life now lives on a video screen one, two hours a day. I mean, I have friends that were in our neighboring school district. and. They never did a Zoom meeting at all. Everything was flipped classroom or pbslearning.org and, you know, great resource, but it's like, come on, we, we got There's it. no instruction but happening. It, and that's exactly, that's something that happened at my husband's school and right. he works at a private school in Orange County and he met his kids every day, every right. single day. He met his students and they did Latin or Greek or whatever it is they did. Right. Um, but there were some teachers there that never had a Zoom class. And they're like, I emailed the kids and told them what to do. I was like, that's not teaching, that's homework. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So that when I say like, I wanna see some uniformity at the mm -hmm. brick and mortar, that's what I mean. Like right. my, my first grader, she had class every day at 8.30, just like she would have had in a brick and mortar classroom. Exactly, so did the They twins. did flag salute, they did calendar, they did their dance that's PE. Awesome. They, I mean, the teacher gave points to the teams who participated. It was fun. Right. And my fifth grader had class every day at 10, but it was really just them, okay, and then you click on this, and then you click yeah. on this. And I was supplementing his curriculum, so I'm like, you can leave, dude, because there's no right. point in him right. being there. And our older girls, it depends on the class. They had science right. and they had math, but my daughter, who, humble mom brag, is a very gifted artist, never met her art teacher again. Yeah, her and Tess were in the same class, right? International like, art, yeah. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, I remember having that conversation. She's like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just think, you know, I think for any of us, because again, being educators, it's, we're, our teachers, our kids, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put the coffee mug down. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I think being educators, and I told my kids this, and they know this, and my, you know, Stacy, my wife, you know she knows this, and, and, and Tom, your husband, who's a teacher, knows this as well. It's like, we're the best parents and the worst parents mm -hmm. for teachers. And let me explain that for a minute. I would never, ever purposely criticize another teacher. I would Agreed. never do that. You never do that. That is like cardinal sin number two on the teaching, you know, sin book. Um, number one is not showing up for class. Um, but it, it's something where, you know, I go into a parent teacher conference. I, I mean, I know you do it too. We let our teach their, our kids teachers know that we're teachers and we're here to support you. How do we do that? Our kids have it hard. Um, not every teacher is going to have, someone like us in right you know backing their students in their class um i actually emailed principal hoschild who's our our element elementary school kids go to she's the principal there i actually emailed her see if she wanted to come on here because i would love to talk to her about this that um, would be awesome so um just because i i think she did an amazing job to kind of you know, circle the wagons and, and keep, keep it going. And, and, and she gave uh, the teachers that independence they needed. Yes. I mean, I think yes. they needed it. They needed it on Friday the 13th. Yes. They don't need it on August 17th. No, no, I, I agree. And I think, and I think what is going to be interesting is, is, is what, number one, what resources will they have access to? Number one, number two, how much planning time will they actually be given? And we know we know the evil third party that will kind of venture into saying what they can and can't do, which mm -hmm. is going to be a hindrance in a lot of districts um, across the country, not just California. Um, but you know, it, it's it's my hope that whatever we see rollout on the seventeenth will not frustrate our kids. And I think that's that's the thing that I that I I always worry about is is my kids being bored? Um, bored's really a choice, but you know, being bored or being frustrated that, you know, yeah. I mean, outside of the social emotional component, I, I, I get that. Um, that that's an entirely different conversation, but 
All right, so we've kind of exhausted that. Everyone, we've solved that problem. <laughs> All right, no, so everybody I always, would just listen to us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, I always like to end uh, with looking at a quote, and I've kind of run the gambit. And this, I took this from our good friend, George Kuros. For those of you who don't know who George Kuros is, yes. Uh, he wrote uh, The Innovator's Mindset, uh, which is a must-read uh, book for educators. And then Innovator Out of the Box, he's got a great podcast as well. Um, you can see him on Twitter. Anyhow, um, man crush. Okay. And he's Canadian, but we're not going to hold that again. But he's a, a big boot. basketball yes. guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> on a boot. So I'll actually tag him on this and he's going to be like smack. Um, but he's got a great quote that I think really sums up what we've talked about today. And I think, I know you believe in this. I know I believe in this. Um, but he says this, um, our role is to empower students to see themselves as innovators who take responsibility for their own learning and leading. Again, our role is to empower, our role as teachers is to empower students to see themselves as innovators who take responsibility for their own learning and leading. So let, let's, let's kind of look at that at face value and take a couple minutes and unpack that. What are your thoughts? Okay, I've got two thoughts for this one. The two. first one no. is, Yes, absolutely. And it comes down to student voice. It comes down to student voice in the classroom. When I go into my teacher's classrooms and I'm walk and I'm observing, mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of informal. I do a couple informal a week and then everyone gets one formal a year from me and then another right, one right. from their regional lead. But um, it comes down to student voice. And one of the first things I'm watching for in any virtual classroom, how long does it take before the kid says something? Right. How long does it take before they either say something in chat or before they grab the mic or before they write on the whiteboard? And I got to tell you that if, it, if you go beyond a minute and a half, you're talking too much. Yes. So yes. Um, it has to come from the kids because we, can, we know what they need to learn and we may think we know what they already know. Right. But until you're talking to those students, you don't know. Um, so hold on just one sec. Sorry, they're getting a little noisy. The, yes, the, yes. the troops are getting restless. And then the other thing is I hear this, I hear this quote and I mean, we've all heard it in educators and all of our education right. classes. Are you right. a, a guide on the side or a sage on the stage sage. and all that? Right. Yeah. That, that, that <laughs> cute little colloquialisms. Yeah, so I counter that, and what I remind my teachers about is our job is to move people. And I know yeah. I said that at the beginning. Our job right. is to move people. And in order to move people, they need to change. And right. so I counter this quote with another Koros quote. Change will come our way, and we can go through it, or we can grow through it. Yeah. And yeah. we grow when we seek out solutions rather than obstacles. Yeah. So. And you can ask any of my teachers and even probably some of my students when they come to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, I need to vent. And then blah, 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 and I'm like, right. what's your solution? Right. And I right, will exactly. say that. I will say that to my teachers and I will say that to my parents and I will say that to my students. When a parent right, calls right. me, this teacher's being mean. Okay. What would you like to see happen? Well, I want them to not be mean. Great. How? And then, I mean, we just, we drill it down. We drill right, it, absolutely. drill it down. Yes. So, it, it, and it just, it all comes down to me, to that student voice and students advocating for themselves, not absolutely. just for their grades, but for their, I told my, our ASB kiddos this year, I was like, it is your job to advocate for your own knowledge. Right. I was like, Maybe you want your knowledge to be a 4.0 and that's great, but I would encourage you to not stop there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch through the glass ceiling. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that's, that's how I look at, and I love George and that's how I yeah. look at those. Things. Yeah. No, I, again, he, he's got, you know, a quiver so of many. wisdom <laughs> to just to shoot in any direction for sure. And I think, you know, the one thing that I have seen is, and I, I love, I love the move people analogy. Um, and I, I think it, it takes a couple things to do that. Number one, it goes back to us. You need to be committed to what you're doing. You know, number two, you, you, you need to be willing to have tough conversations. And, and 
and I probably shouldn't have done this. I kind of challenged some people above me to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I appreciate the tough conversation because I don't like it. Nobody likes to have a tough conversation, whether to give it or to be received it. But again, it goes to your point. It's like, like there needs to be a solution. If I'm not doing my job, I, I would hope that whether it be Andrew, uh, who's my instructional coach, who's my homie, or my principal, Becky, or my regional lead, who I'm not sure yet, or even Angie, who's the director Gogo. of high school, right? Yeah. Angie Gogo, who's the director of high school. I would expect them to be like, dude, that ain't right. You can't do that. This is the reason why. I would expect that if I've created a teachable moment for myself, I'm expecting that teaching. And I think right. our kids are no different. Our students are no different. They kind of roll into school to be like, okay, entertain me. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm gonna, and, and that's, but that's not it. It's, right. to, it's to, to, again, go back to the word culture, to create a culture where kids come in and there is a, there's a specific purpose. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. These are the resources you have available to you. These are the skills I'm going to teach you and show you to utilize all these things to get to the end result. And that sounds really complex, and, but it's really not if the kids come in and there's that level of expectation that they have, uh, yes, they, 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 they feel like, hey, I can do this. Um, and, and, and I know that if I roll in the Pollock's class or Gerlach's class that I, 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 there is an expectation of me and they meet it because you've created that environment. And mm -hmm. that in itself is very empowering, not only for teachers, but for students as well. And when those are in, in, in some level of synergy and they're working on, on all cylinders, you, you get, you get the, the metrics that we all want. And it's not just test scores. So let's not even go there, but you know, all things being equal, you get the learning environment that you want to see from your teachers, which move those students along. And I think that's, that's, again, that should be something that should be at the center of every educator's heart is how do I empower my students so they can move forward? Because we don't definitely don't want them to go backwards. I mean, we don't want to look, I mean, you can look in the rearview mirror to see what's coming, but at the end of the day, you don't want to be looking backwards to see what did I miss. So, well, we could keep going for like hours on end uh, on a number of things, but uh, Shannon, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. I know your afternoon is very busy with meetings and, and, mm -hmm. and grading and, and, you know, teacher stuff and who knows. Um, but again, I just, want, yeah, <laughs> some, I just, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Of course. I'm happy, happy to do it. Um, this is really cool. Awesome. And I'm glad awesome. you're doing this. Yeah, I, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and again, um, it's kind of cool to start to see people comment and stuff like that. And people are getting out and, you know, people are like following. So hopefully um, people will continue to do that. So just a couple quick um, notes where you can find me or where you can find this podcast. You don't want to find me. You stay away from me. I'm just kidding. Um, the podcast can be found at theeverydaytheacher.podbean.com. And that's T-H-E-E. E-E-R-Y-D-A-Y-T-E-A-C-H-E-R.podbean.com. Um, again, that will be uh, posted below. And if you want to read my blog, that's fun. It's the everydayteacher.edublogs.org. Um, and uh, we'll be uh, posting this uh, uh, sometime uh, this week. And again, Shannon, th Shannon, thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much. All right, gang. Keep learning. We'll see you.